restore your dead to life. But perhaps I can give you justice in the name of our king. Welcome to We Drink and We Say Things, an unofficial podcast about the Game of Thrones prequel House of the Dragon. I'm your host, Josh, and I'm here with... I'm your second host, Dan. How are you? Good, guys. Good. What did you think of this episode, Dan? Uh, you know, as an intro episode, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. Um, it covered the bases. Uh, I wouldn't give it a 10 out of 10. Um, we'll talk about technical aspects and things like that that kind of bother me about it a little bit later. Um, but uh, yeah, I felt like it covered the bases, got us set up for a good run, for a good series, and I'm... You know, I'm hoping it. I'm hoping it turns into what George R. R. Martin wants, which is a Game of Thrones universe. I'm all about that. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was very interesting, and and to see a lot of the uh, connections that it made, because it made some amazing connections in reference to you know the original Game of Thrones, and we'll yeah. we'll get into that as we do the recap. But um, yeah, it's, it's a good beginning. I think it's. Um, it's good to be back in this universe, but, uh, you know, it's kind of bittersweet considering how it ended, you know, with Game of Thrones. I think a lot of people were really pissed off and kind of just didn't know what to think. Like, I've wanted to rewatch Game of Thrones a hundred times. I love the show. Yeah, same. You know, but in reference to going back and watching it again, eh, I haven't really done that. No, and I haven't either, and, you know, I don't know that I have a giant desire to watch season seven again <laughs> right yeah i don't think i don't think anybody does honestly um you know but uh yeah let's get into this thing um yeah so it opens up with a cold open which if you want to call it a cold open it was just a black screen with a monologue which seems to be rhaenyra as an adult talking um you oh, know good point yeah i didn't actually think about that yeah she true. she it basically sounds like it, it claims to be viserys's daughter talking you know um but uh and you know she's kind of recapping exactly what has gone on to this point um about how king jaharis has lost his sons and basically has no heirs um and and then it opens up on uh harrenhal which is really cool yeah um Good to see that set. Yeah, it's good to see that set again. It was always cool in the original uh Game of Thrones. Um it's already been destroyed. I found that interesting um, yeah. because it's still in the same condition that it was in uh, GOT in the beginning. Um, but yeah, and the council is basically choosing an heir for them. So they actually have, um, because he, he doesn't have any heirs. So yeah, it's basically going through and um, the announcement is made that Viserys Targaryen the first is going to be the uh, the heir to the throne. And Rhaenys, his cousin, looks very, very pissed off. Very, very. I mean, you know, I guess I don't blame him, you know. I'm getting getting the throne pulled out from under my, my uh, from under my butt. But yeah, uh, interesting enough, though, like, you know, I, I, I don't understand why they were trying to pick that. Was this after, maybe this is a timeline problem with the show. Why were they trying to pick up an heir if the queen's pregnant? Or did that did that jump forward in in time so far that I just right yeah you might have missed that it actually jumps ahead nine years after this oh scene. ten see I'm the ignorant one in this podcast <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't take notes I, you know it's, uh, so I missed all that but yeah so it basically yeah it jumps ahead 
you know, uh, nine years after this scene. But, um, yeah, she looks very pissed off. Uh, she's actually older than he is, so she's kind of like, what in the world is is happening here. Um, but you start to find out really quickly, and, and it's always been this way in this world, I kind of feel to a degree, that there's a patriarchy where, let's face it, women are not looked upon as someone that should be in power. It's it's just not something that they that they do in this this Absolutely. World, I mean know? the arguments between tradition and legal, uh whether or not they can appoint a queen right. as opposed to yeah, it just that argument alone shows that yeah, this you know, the are the people gonna accept that? Right. Oh, yeah, they, that's a good question. Done really, you know. Uh be interesting to see. Uh we'll talk about that when we get to that announcement portion but there definitely seemed to be a, a little bit of tension about that whole situation as well. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, as it jumps ahead uh, nine years, we find out that it's 172 years before the death of the Mad King and Daenerys being born, which happens basically right. the same night. Um, so we're 172 years before regular Game of Thrones really starts to kick off, and even further than that, if you think about it, because she's, a, I think, a teenager. Yeah, um, she's... For, well, in the book, she's, she's, in the book, like, she's fourteen. And, right? You know, I don't think you can do that. And by the way, everybody, Dan's actually read most of the books. I have not right. because they're a thousand pages each, and I, I'm busy. But uh, um, we get to, we get to see our first view of uh, Cyrex, which is a golden dragon uh, flying over King's Landing. Which uh, graphics, man, the special effects, fantastic. I thought it looked really awesome. Our first view of a dragon flying around and a golden dragon at that. I mean, it's very and, cool. And it's funny, Josh, because this is where I actually had a little bit of my first problem because it looked great, but it also kind of looked a little video gamey. It looked yes. like a really awesome video game. And I know we're, we're limited by CGI, but that's like that just fell apart a little bit for me. At that right. Point, you know? Uh, and and exteriors as well as it's flying over the city, the everything looked a little painted, painted as opposed to like uh, an actual exterior, right? You know, uh, but that's you know, but I'm a tech, so I notice those things. And they bother me. <laughs> uh, yeah, Princess Venera goes to to visit her mom. I don't, I never caught what the queen's name is. I, I for the life of me, and I, unfortunately, I didn't go to bother bother looking it up uh, right. we find out later that we really don't need to know her name because yeah, right? she's not on the show very long <laughs> spoiler alert yeah spoiler alert there but um yeah and uh while she's visiting with her mom at kind of at the same time viserys is sitting with uh his council with his king's council his brother damon obviously not there not there whether he's at a whorehouse or what exactly he's doing we don't know at that point um but basically he's going through whether or not they want to go ahead and go forward with the um, his new uh, heirs tournament right. because the queen is getting ready to have what he is convinced is a son. Uh, we later find out, yeah, that is the case. But uh, um, and of course, Rhaenyra shows up late. She is apparently the king's cupbearer. I th I thought I thought actually between her riding the dragon and her showing up late I thought that was a great bit of character development for her. Um, it kind of shows that side. Uh, it's almost a little bit of an Arya Stark. 
Oh, yeah. A little, a little bit of callback exactly to that. That's exactly what I thought. Because when she's sitting with her mom, the first thing that she says is, I'd rather be a, a knight rolling yeah. into battle than have babies. And that is very Arya Stark. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, this is... She'd rather be on Dragonback than dealing with the nonsense of all of this fucking, you know, uh, being at court and, yeah. and dealing with all the nonsense of being a princess, I'm sure. I, and in some ways, in some ways, foreshadowing 200 years into the future, Danny, Daenerys riding dragons and, you know, fucking up the world. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, you, uh, it draws that direct lineage uh, at that point between this Targaryen clan and into the future for when, when Dan Ares takes over. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, while she's there being the cupbearer for the council, Rhaenyra is actually called out and goes to meet with her uncle who we open up on the throne room and he's sitting on the iron throne, yep. which is, you know, is, is an obvious foreshadowing to the fact that this guy really wants the throne. That's really what he wants. Um, the throne looks way different than it does actually in the original GOT. I mean, if you look at it, uh, there are swords going all the way out into yeah. the room, basically. Look terrifying. Oh, yeah. It looks yeah. it looks way more menacing than yeah. it does, you know, yeah. um, in the previous show. But, yeah. So he's sitting there on the throne, and, and they kind of talk for a little bit, and he puts, you know, a Valerian steel necklace on her, and whether that'll come back in the end, we don't know. But very kind of, I don't know, I was kind of creeped out by it. With, with this show's history of incest, I was immediately like, uh, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, uh, totally. And then, well, and I mean, they're all Targaryens. Right. So, I mean, even the, even the queen and the king... They're related somehow, um, so you know, it, with 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 him sitting on the Iron Throne and then kind of getting that like weird, creepy vibe with the the niece. I'm wondering if that's that's a you know, I'm going to marry you when I take over the throne because I have to marry another Targaryen, right? And and they originally, I, I once again, I haven't read the books, but as far as I understand, they have the white hair and. Technically, they have purple eyes, I yeah, believe, in yeah. the books. Violet, I think, is described as, yeah. Because of over-inbreeding. They've mm -hmm. all been inbred with each other. So, yeah. um, I mean, how many Targaryens could there be? But, uh, yeah, she basically sits and talks with him for a little bit. And um, uh, Rhaenyra, you know, we switch to another scene. Rhaenyra sits with Alicent Hightower, who come to find out the Hightower's Otto is the Hand of the King. This is his daughter. Um, they are actually the d defenders of Old Town, which is where the Citadel is, where all the maesters train. So it's um, it's an interesting combination of uh, old and new GOT. Yeah. Um, I we get to see the first signs of the trees. Um, I oh, the weirwoods. The weirwoods. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah, it's got its face on there. It's massive, blooming. Um, you don't see them as much in the original GOT. They just don't seem to exist anymore, whether they've been cut down or what's gone on there. There are um, less of them. Book-wise, they're, they're brought up more often mm -hmm. uh, than they are in the series. Um, but yeah, there are less, a lot less of them. Almost a, a nod to sort of the dwindling of that empire. 
Right. You know, so as the as the kingdom fractures and the um, the Targaryen Empire is gone now, and we're in the Baratheon era and things like that, and as that falls apart, the weirwoods die more. Right. You know. So yeah, interesting to see there was one in the court. And I, I think Allison is kind of like, oh, you're not focused on your studies and blah blah blah. And by the end of that, she's like, I know this shit. You know. I don't need you to ask me what I know and what I don't know. Really, what I'm worried about is other things. Uh, studying is the last thing on my mind. Um, and, and basically, uh, it's it's an interesting sit-down and conversation about how she just... It's another sign that she just doesn't have any interest in the common bullshit that she should. Right. Um, yeah, we... Uh, Switch over to the Maesters and Viserys. Um, he's got these wounds on his back that aren't healing. Yeah. Um, and he says that it has something to do with the Iron Throne. And you see that later on where he keeps cutting himself. Yeah, yeah. On it. And, you know, I'm starting to wonder whether or not he's got some kind of uh, of course, we all fucking thought grayscale immediately right, right. That's when where we saw went, that. Right, yeah. It was like, oh, he's got grayscale. But the fact that he keeps cutting his fingers and things is making me start to wonder whether um, he's gotten some kind of like tetanus or something weird yeah. from just the metal that he keeps getting cut by. Something's gotten into his skin and poisoned him somehow. Um, oh, good point, man. I hadn't thought about that, but you're talking about you know, swords probably not, they're not all Valyrian steel, so there's probably a lot of lead. And there's all kinds of things in there. And honestly, it's, <clears throat> it's, it makes a point of showing it later on. Right. Where he cuts his hand and it, the camera focuses on the fact that his hand's bleeding from cutting it on there. So it makes me start to think, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Somehow he's poisoning himself on accident. Or someone's doing it for him. It's 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 hard to tell yet. Um, he after having his wounds kind of tended to, he goes and visits with his wife, and she's taking a bath, and they kind of have this conversation. And oh, he's all optimistic. I'm going to have a boy, and I'm going to have an heir, and this is going to be fucking great. And you find out that she's had multiple miscarriages and all these things because she thinks that her duty is really to provide him with an heir. That's all her job is in her mind, and she feels like she's failed, but she's also telling him at the same time, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I don't want to have any more babies. I don't want to go through this, which if she's had like seven babies, and half of them are died and she's had miscarriages, yeah, she doesn't want to. Yeah, a chi childbirth in a Game of Thrones land is not, is right, not the clean absolutely. aesthetic thing that we go through now. Yeah, so. Right, and I can imagine that, uh, you know, the... The milk of the poppy is not... <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm sure that's not happening, you know, helping at all. But uh, uh, we see Damon is in charge of the City Watch. Um, and I don't know if this is the origin of the gold cloaks or not. We know that the city watch was like this unkept, uh, you know, security force inside yeah. the city, 2,000 strong, that was in charge of keeping everybody. It's kind of like their police force. Right. Um, 
but he's come in. I believe he's adding the the gold cloaks to their uniform. I believe so too. I get that impression when he was giving them their speech before they ran out on their their little uh, night patrol. Right, night patrol, if you want to call it that. Uh, he basically lead, leads them on a cleaning up of King's Landing. Yeah, a little purge. where. Uh, yeah, this is interesting. A thief, hands getting chopped off. We've all heard about this in modern day, but, uh... Raper. Raper. I mean, things got cut off. <laughs> got to see our first donger, you know, chopped it's off. Like ten, ten minutes into the series, and we're already... <laughs> <laughs> and it's chopped off. I'm just like, uh, But, uh, yeah, so, you know, murderers, they're killing them. They're exacting eye for an eye justice on these guys and, uh, cleaning up this the city, apparently. Yeah. Um... You know, afterwards, the King Council squabbles over his actions, uh, whether or not um, it was the right thing to do. Um, The King is on the fence, of course. But he backs him. He does. He does back him. He does. So there's that – get that sense of family over maybe anything else. uh, Right. Because he didn't look comfortable backing him. You know I mean? I got the impression that he was kind of like, oh, that was a little too far. Yeah, when they're basically saying that he hacked off enough body limbs and heads and arms and dicks to fill a cart that had to be drawn by two horses. Yeah. (laughs) I caught that. I was like, damn, that's that's pretty bad. Um, But yeah. Uh, switches over to Damon um, banging what looks to be a chick from Dorn. That's what she looks like. Yeah. Tan, yeah. dark hair. Um, you know, she he's trying to maintain and just too much shit on his brain, I guess. Uh-huh. We've all been there. So he, he just can't. And she's, of course, soothing him and being in his ear and, and kind of helping corrupt him. Um, uh the games I begin. Help, I don't know much right. help he needs to be corrupted. I right. I think he seems to be a little yeah. kind of – he seems a little bit crazy. Also foreshadowing of the Mad King. Correct. You know, is something that runs through just Targaryen blood. Yeah. And Daenerys who kind of goes crazy in the end. Yeah. So um, we open up on the games and it's uh, kind of geniusly and they did say that the director of Sapochnik actually – blended these two scenes on purpose where he is blending um, the games with what's going on the battle that the queen's having by trying to have this kid right who we find out is breach and they can't turn it no matter what they've yeah. tried and tried and tried and the masters just can't really help um, <clears throat> but we start to at these games, get some of the names that we're used to either in person or um, we start to see them uh, at least by name they're mentioned. So we get to see the Baratheons. Um, There's at least two Baratheons competing. The Tarleys are actually mentioned. Um, But uh, one of the most interesting characters and the one that actually ends up winning the games entirely is uh, Sir Christian Cole. Sir Christian Cole is actually, um, he is, from what I remember, uh, Lord Dondarrion Steward's son. So Lord Dondarrion being basically, you know, Beric Dondarrion's family. Right. 
You know, so I found it really cool that it was like, oh, because he was one of my favorite characters. Everybody loves when he lights that sword up and starts hacking and slashing. It's fantastic. Um, and they do mention that he's from Dorne, so the fact that he has a last name, I guess he's not a bastard. I right, right. Don't know. I mean, if well, he's and that Dornish makes- and from. And was a bastard, his last name would be Sand, so the fact that his last name's Cole, I'm guessing he's of legitimate birth to that right. steward, but... Well, and that makes sense. I don't think you would have a, a bastard as your steward. I mean, he's being trained in the ways of the court and the ways of ruling, because eventually, right. at some point, he'll go back and be... He's never going to be king, maybe, but he's going to yeah, be he's, those, like, duke or, like, you know, those smaller... He's the steward's titles. son, though. Oh, so. He's the steward's son. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's hard for me to say exactly what's going on there. I'm sure we'll find out the fact that he kind of caught the eye of the ladies, you know. Um, well, he's very handsome. Yeah, <laughs> of course. So, so you know, of course, the fact that he's caught the eye of Rhaenyra, you know, especially. Um, we'll see if that goes anywhere. There's a lot of, uh, like, carnage during this scene as well, like stuff I did not expect. Um, yeah. Uh, I didn't expect to see an axe to the face during a jousting tournament for the most part. Um, I, I knew you could continue if you lost and you fell off your horse. You could opt to continue and go fisticuffs, you know, melee, you know, but just boy, hack they, and slashing they again. It, they went for it. It was I, oh I, yeah, well done, too. Great battle scenes Yeah, in, in the middle of all that. Oh, yeah, which Sapochnik is, you know, Sapochnik, the director, is known for, you know, and you had to get some of that that first episode you know, I, I think that was probably necessary for this show. Um, but, uh, yeah, the other brutality, of course, is Viserys deciding to just, the queen's going to die, save my heir, C-section her ass, while she's awake. Um, haven't really seen that since, uh, I think it's uh, season three of The Walking Dead, where Lori gets, you yeah. know, the belly cut open. Um, but, yeah, it's fairly brutal. A lot of blood. A lot of blood. Um, a lot of screaming. It's a watching her getting held down, knowing what's coming, and her kind of not knowing what's coming. Right. And, and then, kind of still being like, ah, what the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah. Like, stop, stop, stop. As soon as they drug her down on the bed, and she was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, it was very like, this is going to hurt. Yeah. I don't care how much milk of the poppy you've had. This is going to be awful. But, um, yeah, so she, of course, passes. She was going to pass anyway. But then uh, you show the maester holding the baby, and then it's kind of like a cut scene, so you don't know exactly what happens there. Um, but I think there's a little bit of foreshadowing there, because yeah, it's very quiet. It is. Yeah. It is very quiet Yeah, towards the end of that scene. And then you open up, and it's, uh, you know, everybody's standing out on a bluff outside of King's Landing, there's uh, obviously the queen's body is on a pyre, you know, um, you know, Rainier's dragon sitting there ready and uh, the king is just distraught. He can't do anything. He can't function. And then you see it. You see the little bitty baby swaddled. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, all of that. And the baby died anyway. It was just like, oh, that is terrible. Nobody yeah. wants to see dead babies anywhere, no, anyway. No, uh, no, and then I, you get the feeling that this guy's a pretty good king, like, and you know that he kind of deserves that, right? Maybe deserves is a strong word, but he kind of, he kind of should have that 
lineage and be able to pass on this to like you know to the future but yeah yeah a little little gut wrenching right yeah a little bit of gut wrenching and then for as much as we talk about Damon being you know this evil tyrannical bastard at least he comes off like one he steps up and actually shows that he gives a shit about his family yeah. you know he, he he's talking to Rainier and like hey listen they've chosen you to do this this is your responsibility you know and she struggles to Dracaris, her mom, and, you know, her, her little brother. But she goes through with it and starts to show some strength. Right. So it's pretty cool. Um, the King's Council meets after that. And um, immediately all they give a shit about is who's your successor? Who's yeah. your successor? This baby just died. It's a patriarchy. We have this queen. And we get our first uh, real view of... What apparently is, I'm not sure what his position is or exactly who he is, but we know he's a Stark. And honestly, he's the one that is most adamantly against there being a female queen or a, yeah. a queen in general, you know, a female heir. Um, I don't, I did not catch his name or which one he is, um, but he's definitely no, a Stark. I did not either. He's not the most elder Stark. He's not in charge of Winterfell. We do get to see someone else later on. That I'm pretty sure is um, in charge of that. The king just gets pissed. He doesn't want to hear any of this shit. He's just like, ah, you know, finally gets mad and is like, my wife and son just died, and you assholes just want to know who my successor is, who's going to be in charge. Basically, they're worried about their own selves, as everybody always is in King's Landing. Well, of course. Well, but they're also worried about the realm. I mean, you have to, you know, look how quickly people die. You know, the king could walk out of that chamber and done. And if you oh, yeah. a successor named, wow, now we're now there's civil war. So, like, I see that their urgency was necessary, but I also see where the king is just like, fuck you. Like, yeah, it's like, like today of all days, right. can we take a minute? Like, you know, um, it's like the body's cold. It's fine. <laughs> ashes are blown away. It's fine. Start talking. And the funny thing is, as much as they're talking about Damon, uh, Damon's right outside. Listening yeah. in, listening to everything they're saying, um, being very smarmy again, like, ugh, can kind of be kind of creepy. Um, Otto, of course, has his own ideas, sends his daughter Allison to comfort, in quotation marks, the king, and sends her, says, oh, you should wear one of your mother's dresses. Like, go be a big girl, go get that throne, basically. Yeah. Um, I was like, uh, also, also that begs the question was, we don't see Otto's wife. Was there a thing between his wife and the king? And now he's exploiting his daughter. Right. To get possibly what he wants, sending her to comfort the king in her mother's dress. Right. Interesting to see if that actually comes out later, that there was some kind of relationship between those two. It's cool to see also where he's sitting. Um, he's sitting in front of what looks to be a massive, uh, uh, like, carved figure of Dragonstone. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like to me, just a massive, um, like, model of Dragonstone. Um, but they do mention it in other parts of the show, so I, I don't know if this was the design to make Dragonstone or Dragonstone already existed. Right. It's something I'll have to go and research and see how long Dragonstone's been there because, I mean, I believe that was their original home. 
but um, you know, obviously they're in King's Landing. Maybe that's just the territory they oversee, and that is their piece of land. Yeah, you know what I mean. It was talked about often in the books, and I'm drawing a blank. I'm kind of I can't remember. I mean, it's you know four thousand pages each freaking book, right? Uh, and I don't remember exactly what they talked about, but yeah, Dragonstone was very important. That's where, if I'm not mistaken, that's where Daenerys was born. Dor- yes, yes, it Dor- was Dor- during the storm that Dar- yeah Daenerys Stormbringer. So yeah, um, so I guess at that at that point, uh, Dragonstone was that sort of. I don't know. Could you look at it as a uh, Camp David? It's kind of their getaway. It's right. Their, you know what I mean? They rule from King's Landing, but but Dragonstone is uh, a place to go. It was where their seat. That's where their seat of power right. is. Exactly. Really, exactly. Um, exactly. But um, yeah, we move on to Damon. He's hosting an orgy. He's rented an entire brothel and is basically partying with the gold cloaks and his friends and. Uh, Getting it on, or everybody else around him is getting it on, and once again we see this little Dornish girl in his ear, yeah, telling him what he wants to hear. Um, uh, we move on to the King's Council again. Um, we get a lot of the King's Council this sh- this show, a lot more than I ever remember in the rig- original GOT. But uh, the King's Council is basically um, they're called so they can kind of talk about what happened at this orgy. And these scenes are also kind of intertwined. Um, and we find out that he is called, he is basically called his brother's son, his nephew, the heir for a day. Yeah. We find out that he's basically celebrating that, hey, this heir is dead. I'm still the successor to the throne. Yep. He doesn't view Rhaenyra as even competition. He doesn't even think about that. Um, and the king is finally starting to lose faith with his brother. He's he's starting to get kind of pissed off about that. Um, understandably. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a shitty thing to say and do. Hey, I'm going to throw a giant orgy and rent out a brothel because guess what? Ha ha. You know. I'm still in line. I'm yeah. still in line. Yeah. Your son died. You know. Um the king is sitting on the throne, you know, in the next scene. Um, Damon comes in. They talk about it. Damon, and it's a heated exchange, and Damon basically calls him weak and says, you don't see the people that are trying to kind of overthrow and take your power. Um, and he's right, because Otto is doing that exact thing by sending his daughter to try and marry him so he can actually have control of what is going on in the kingdom. Right. Um, this is also where you see that he's cutting himself. Right, on the throne, right. He's, he's cutting his his left hand on the throne, so he keeps uh, cutting himself. Um, he says, I'll oh, fuck this, Damon. Go back to Runestone and go back to your wife. Yeah, removes him. Uh, did he remove him from the as the head of the? Yes, he basically right. said, "You aren't doing shit anymore. Go back to your wife and sit over there." Um, I had to look up Runestone. It's on the uh, eastern coast. It's um, it's in the Vale, basically. Right. Um, so he's like, "Ah, eh, go back to the Vale. Get the fuck out of here. We don't want to. You know, I'm gonna get you out of my face." But he. May or may not be making a mistake there. It's hard to say. 
because I think his brother kind of has his interests at heart because he can see the threats, but... But is that an irony? Is his brother a threat? Like He I, definitely is. He, I mean... He is, but I mean, it, it begs the question of, you know, is his brother evil enough to act directly against the king? Right. Or is he just biding his time? And he feels like it's going to be his one way or another. So he's sitting back and be like, okay, I got time. I'm younger. King will die. It's mine. Is this the, or is that the point when he sends him back to, uh, when he sends him back to the veil, right? Where that becomes the issue. And if he's too weak to see the threat, he's certainly too weak to see his brother as a threat, especially from afar. Yeah. Because I'm sure he still has friends there, you know, um, uh, this is one of the best scenes, I think, of the entire show. Uh, Viserys and Rhaenyra meeting, you know, underneath, the, basically, I believe it's underneath the throne room where the skulls of these dragons are. Yeah. Um, you remember um, Arya playing down there, you know, and other things. But, uh, yeah, and the conversation they have is fantastic. Um, he basically tells her, hey... You're going to be the heir to the throne. I'm going to make the first, you know, we're going to have our first queen, uh, you know. And he tells her the story of ice and fire. Yeah. And basically, while he's saying that, if you remember the dagger that Arya uses to kill the Night King. Yeah. It's on his hip. Is it? See, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's on his hip, and it's an amazing tie-in between the two shows. Where well, even just using that phrase, "a song of a song of ice and fire," because right. that's technically the title of the entire series. Exactly. So, so that callback was really cool. Yeah, it was very cool to have that and have the dagger there, and him basically talking about the Night King and how there is going to be a cold that comes down from the north, and it's the end of man in general. Um, and he's saying that the whole time, and not only is it f- the camera focused on that dagger, he's holding his hand on it while he's telling her this story. Um, and I, I just found it to be an amazing callback. Um, uh, we we switch over to Rhaenyra. She's at court. They're, she's basically all dressed up. She's doing the one thing that she didn't want to do, uh, which is get all this crap on and go ahead and basically say, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm the heir to the throne. Great. Uh, I've got to hold court and make decisions and I can't just ride around on dragons and do whatever the fuck I want. I have to, um, but there was a resignation there when, when, when you look at her, you know, she doesn't want to do it. And this is where you kind of get this idea of that, of her, that inner steel and that strength, because the look on her face is like, yeah, I don't want to do this, but but I have to. Yeah, I have to, and I'm going to. Right. Like, <laughs> she looked. She looked badass. Like, and and if that's you know, and if that's things to come, that is fantastic. Uh, we get to see some interesting people in this court scene. We get to see. Uh, we get to see uh, what I would think is Rickon Stark the first, who seems to be uh, the king of Winterfell for the most mm-hmm. part. Whether he's the king of the North at this point, I'm not sure exactly. We haven't gotten to that point yet. Um, you know, of course, the Dondarians and the Baratheons and everyone's there, basically, to swear their allegiance to her. Um, 
And, uh, yeah, it basically closes out on Rhaenyra turning around, and we see her in all of her garb, and it fades to black. And I was like, yeah, man, this is this is going to be good. Yeah. It's going to be a pretty good show, I think. Um, the fact that Sapochnik is not only directing, but for people that don't know who he is, all of your larger battle scenes, Battle of the Bastards, all of these giant battle scenes, the Long Night, or basically what some people like to call the Battle of Winterfell. Right. Um, all these were filmed by Sapochnik. Okay, now see, that's news to me. Right. Yeah, so the the fact that he's a showrunner on this show, and he's also going to be directing some of these episodes, is going to make it even better, I think, because the action that does happen should be, like, off the charts. I, I think you have to. I think you're going to have, I think, as a, as a, series and as a as a story you're telling on HBO Max right now yeah you have to have that because I, you're, there's so much competition you have to make this you're fighting against Marvel and everything else you got to make this something spectacular and I'm hoping so because there's nothing better than a good fight scene oh yeah <laughs> a good battle sure. you know for sure um, yeah I'm I'm excited for that uh, I'm excited to see if how much of this is just the internal how much of the show or at least the first season focuses on the internal battle of the Targaryens or how much it bleeds out into the wider world, especially with the naming of a king, of a queen over a king. Right. And to see if that starts problems. I, I feel bad because I know that um, the, at the back of one of the books, there's a, there's a history of each one of the families and it's in depth. It reminds me very much of the Tolkien appendices. You know, it goes through all the history and everything else. Mm-hmm. Who can read all that? I can't read all that. <laughs> I, I, I can't. Um, In but, today's culture, I say it all the time, you have to pick your poison on what you want your media to be. Yeah. Uh, between, it's like at any given time, I'm reading a book or listening to a podcast or I'm, uh, oh, there are video games out there I haven't finished and there's always a hundred million things going on. But uh, that's our that's our recap, guys. Uh if you like what you heard, go ahead and subscribe. You have the time, go check us out on our other podcast, uh, Dungeons and Drinks, where we have a monthly uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, potluck is the best way to put it. There's a and, lot of drinking and uh, a lot of bad decisions. A lot of drinking and a lot of bad decisions, and it's pretty funny. In the podcast, we say that leads to epic adventure. I'm, I'm more inclined to think it's shenanigans, but you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I play, I think, the worst monk in history on there, but that's okay. Um, but, yeah, go ahead and subscribe and, and follow us, guys. We appreciate it, uh, and we will see you next week.